Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Like my Negro with something, something Jackson Five, Jackson nostrils. five nostrils. Oh my <laughs> yes, God. I've been waiting. I've literally, literally been waiting all day long to sing that out loud. There's no one I can talk to about this momentous moment at work. It's highly frustrating. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like on the phone with like my COO of the Budgetista, and we are like going in like, yes, Queen Slay. <laughs> oh my God! So the entire world changed this weekend. Brown Ambition family, if you were under a rock or someone knocked you out or you're in a different country, something, listen, it's a whole new world. It is 2016 part de 2.0. Beyonce has changed lives. She's come out with her. She came out with her new signal, a single on Saturday called Formation, not just the single, but the video, video, the video. And Which, it was at like 4 p.m., right? On Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, to be exact. Yes, it was about 4 p.m. I was just minding my own business. And then <laughs> someone just snatched my hair off my head. And I was like, what was that? It was Beyonce dropping a new video. Um, this video, I've probably watched it maybe a dozen times, which is probably being conservative. I've watched it because there's just so much to pick apart. There is so much. Maybe it's just because I studied literature in college and I was like super nerdy and we would just spend an entire month talking about one video but like there's so many little elements and there's so many little like um treasures and easter eggs in this video and i've personally enjoyed watching the media try to make sense of it yes I, I first of all you said easter eggs which is freaking hilarious did we even introduce ourselves do we do we ever introduce ourselves anymore i mean they know already this is, this is mandy <laughs> i talk like this tiffany talks like this is tiffany i talk like this <laughs> <laughs> i love it you know what like People are like Red Lobster, but like Red Lobster, what is this about the food industry? What is she talking about? But then it's like hot sauce, hot sauce, what? Yes, and the I was Illuminati. Like, tell those white people that we put hot sauce in our purses. She's <laughs> sitting on top of a cop car, but the cop car is drowning. But then she's on top of the cop car. But then she's wearing like Victorian, uh, night like eighteen hundreds ensemble. And then Blue Ivy has backup dancers. Like yes. what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> there was so much to digest. And then she was slaying all that boobage in the hallway. And she was like, kick, kick, shuffle, kick. <laughs> and then it was all the black women in the pool when they know they said that we can't swim, but we can swim. It was just was, it, it was a lot. 
I thought there were so many elements, but before we, and not to mention, so this is the day before the Super Bowl. So we already were excited for her to show up, but Beyonce's like, no, this is Chris Martin, Coldplay's playing, but then let me just destroy the internet before the Super Bowl even happens. Yes. So she drops the video, and then we get to see her perform it live on yesterday's, I mean, some football game. You know, and in, and I in heard Black there was football. Panther regalia, no less. The Black Panther regalia, the fact that it was so close to the start of the Black Panther movement, just like so many different elements. We must unpack all of this Beyonce slayage. But first, <laughs> I wanted to bring we want we wanted to bring a special guest on this week's episode because as you can hear, I'm a little bit biased. I've loved Beyonce since Destiny's Child. Tiffany loves Beyonce too. I feel like every group of friends, though, maybe has the one friend who just like hates Beyonce and just like loves to talk trash about Beyonce. Yeah. And if you are part of the Bajancy, we know. I just want you to know that please, Beehive, don't sting me. I, I, you know, I understand the queen. I respect the queen. She's definitely not like my favorite of all times, but I just want you to know that the, the opinions that will be discussed here, unless. It comes directly from Tiffany. I don't want it. You know, the <laughs> okay. beehive, they love this thing. <laughs> well, the special guest today, I'm pretty sure she's on the most wanted list for the Bajancy. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is my really good friend, Jessica O'Neill. Jessica Ooh, L. Last O'Neill. Name? You're trying to get her kilt out here in these <laughs> I know. <laughs> the whole thing, Lord. Brought to you by Mandy Woodruff. There you go. Um, so I had to have Jess on because Jess is the one who every time Beyonce does something, drops an album, drops a single, new videos, start, I don't know, just Beyonce's in the news. You can count on Jess to be the one to be like, it ain't that great, <laughs> which I love <laughs> slash hate. Like I was texting. So anyway, but I want to welcome Jess to the show first and foremost. Jessica, take a bow. Hello. Hello. World. <laughs> I might have to go find the the bat, the, the audio booing track. Oh, just oh no, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. <laughs> no, ma'am. No ham, no turkey. But I no, wanted to have Jessica on because not only, I mean, you obviously are entitled to your opinion, just being America, but I thought you had some interesting things to say about Beyonce and the video itself. And I wanted us to kind of have a conversation about it because there is so much in this, the New Orleans element, the black girl power. I mean, the mm-hmm. fact that she's talking about having no shame about where she comes from, who she is, you know, who her daughter is. I, it's, it's, a, it's an empowering video. And uh, Jess? Yes. You want to explain why your soul is so black and dark? <laughs> yes. Well, it's not that it's black and dark. I, I I don't know. I just feel like, especially in this internet age, she just gets so much press and so much media attention that it is just kind of polarizing. So whenever she does anything, and it could be subpar, it is just like an explosion. And it drives me bonkers because there's these people like you who are just in love with her and think she's a unicorn and (laughs) it's just all over my timeline on Facebook I can't get away from it so since I can't get away from it I always feel a need to comment or just say like y'all chill out or something but they just can't do it because the Bajancy is strong yes Mm -hmm. um Jess tell me what was your first impression of the video and did you even try to be a little bit objective with it you know, I, this is one thing I think particularly over the years as I became a good adult here, I try to try to take in Beyonce and with a clear mind, you know, full heart, all that jazz. And <laughs> I did watch this video and I was pretty open to it because I do appreciate her now finally acknowledging that we are kind of having a bit of a black movement here. And there's um a bit and 
It is. It's, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's everywhere and it's, it's very strong. And a lot of her people, particularly her fans, really do want to hear from her. She hasn't had interviews, right, in the last couple of years. And, she doesn't do and any I, interviews, yeah. And they don't listen to her. So I was actually kind of a little proud to kind of see that she did a video and have little themes in it and stuff. But um, I was looking through. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know. Like I said, it's then I started watching it. But I am one of those people. I, Sorry. I, think I was looking at this video and then I started using my whole brain, which sometimes I feel like people don't do in Beyonce. Now, that's me hating. But um, and then I was listening to the lyrics and I was like, hold on. I have a feeling here because I just kept hearing I slay, I slay. And then I was like, okay, now I don't know if I like this. And um, I, I don't know. Then I read the lyrics and I, she actually just kind of lost me after that, unfortunately. Um, Man, but I'm sorry. I'm having ahead. a really hard time not interjecting. I'm trying to be respectful. <laughs> continue, con- continue. No, it's so hard. <laughs> I'm like bouncing up. I feel, I feel it. I don't know. I, and then, I mean... What People, was the lyrics? You took issue with the um, the Michael Jackson line, was it? The the Jackson nose? You know, the Jackson nose didn't bother me. What is bothering me is how just silly the song kind of was in terms of the lyrics. I mean, when I was looking at it, it, I guess it had some very lovely empowerment lines here and there. Talk. I mean, um, I can tell she really was trying to ex- exuberate this blackness about her. Like, you know, my daddy, Alabama, mama, Louisiana, that whole line. Um and then, you know, she talked about my Negro nose with the nostrils and she's sensitive about her baby's hair because everybody just feels some kind of way about blue looking like Jay-Z. So it, you know, I, I felt all those things. But then I just it, the lyrics got me there. And But when you read the other lyrics, it's just very it's like what rappers do every other week to me. I just I, no, she talks I, about her haters. Go ahead. OK, no, now I guess back. I feel like I mean, well, one, I think that, you know, no one thinks that Beyonce is the next coming of Tupac. You know, she's not Nas. So we're not looking for Beyonce, like, you know, to come out here and, like, lyrically destroy our lives. And I think sometimes, too, I think that I think that the the song was pur- purposefully simplistic in that, you know, like, this is a new, you know, frontier kind of for Beyonce being, like, so very, very Black, like, Blackly Black, Black, Black. Like, you know, and so that and then, too, you know, it always like, I don't know. I never understand why women get mad at Beyonce when she says she slays, because I'm like, well, God damn it. She does. And guess what? So do I. Like she slays so much. She tells you in the song. That's that's what's getting to me. But go ahead. That's just so crazy. Like, honestly. So, okay, I'll give you an example. Um, So I had written this book like um, uh, my first book, The One Week Budget. And in it, I, I make a joke saying something like hey, like, I don't know, I wrote it when I was like 20 something. So I thought it was cute. And I was just like, you know, something about like, uh, welcome to the book. Maybe you're here because I'm gorgeous. Psych, that's unrelated or something I said. And a woman went in on me, basically said, how dare you call yourself gorgeous? And I thought, how dare you not call yourself gorgeous? Sheesh, like, it's hard enough being a, a sister. And like, you know, feeling some kind of way about yourself. I don't know why I felt like why do women get so mad when women say like, yo, I'm pretty amazing, like, and say it, because so the world tells you over and over that you just are not, I don't know, that's one part, I don't mind when women, well, anybody, honestly, but especially women of color, kind of, like, throw it in your face and say, no, I am freaking the bomb.com, and you will acknowledge, because the world literally tells us otherwise, always, you are ugly, you are not smart, you are not desirable, you are, you know, 
well, your body looks weird. You here's know? something that Tiffany Aliche and Beyonce Knowles have in common, which is when they say <laughs> they slay, they ain't lying. <laughs> Where is the lie? <laughs> Look at her. No, Look because at what they, she's we all built. Slay. And I just feel like I'm so glad that Beyonce, because honestly, like, you know, I expect this kind of like behavior from like a Solange. Because, you know, Solange is like, what? What was said? You don't want to see these hands. <laughs> and Beyonce, like from like previous interviews when she used to interview a lot, it was very clear that she was um, self-conscious and very afraid to acknowledge that she thought that she was good. Like that's what I see from her early interviews. And finally, she's breaking free of that and saying, you know what, I work really hard. You know, like when someone says something to me, I'm like, man, I don't think I slay because I just do. Yeah, I think it, it's definitely a great point. I, I mean, as black women, yes, we do have a lot of oppression. We do not have wonderful images of us everywhere. I mean, even with saying this about Beyonce, I do feel bad because we don't have a lot of black role models. So I think it's great. She has this self-confidence and she puts it in these song, this song, but she puts it in all her songs. That's what's getting me tired. And I, I don't know. I think it's also... Um, you think it's more it, of the same. It, it, exactly. And then it's also in terms of her personality. I feel like it, this part of that insecurity look, um, maybe I'll call it, as somebody who was Greek, we had to walk, you know, a certain way as AKs. We we don't actually have to tell you that we're great. We are great. And so I don't know. Maybe that's also sometimes my mentality with things like this. I don't need to always just always say how awesome I am because I'm going to show you in my work. I'm going to show you in who I am. And if you don't believe that, then I really don't care. You know, and so I, I guess when I hear all this, like, you know, pumping up my ego and stuff, I just I, I just like, eh, yeah, I, I think it's great. But I also think it's also like it shows out her insecurity as well. And it, it she does that so much. I, I just kind of wish she would find something else to talk about. But then again, I don't know if she can talk about much else. So um, I got to jump in because I feel like the the key thing for me with this video is that for, and you know, Beyonce, it's not the first time she's done a video that makes you think, but like this video, for anyone who ever said Beyonce was not woke, did not know what's happening in the world, doesn't have anything to say, they, all you have to do is watch this video. The images she puts in there, what I like about it is no, she's not sitting there and writing a thesis on the Black Lives Matter movement or women in slavery or, you know, hairstyles and, and the African-American culture. She's putting all these images out there and leaving in an artistic way, which leaves it open to the interpretation of the viewer, which I think is what art should be. She's saying, yes, I see these things. I'm aware of all this. Um, and I am interpreting it through my artistic lens and I'm leaving something to be said by you guys you guys fill in the gaps you project your own ideas onto this that's what art should be the fact that we're all sort of talking about oh the cop car is being drowned in the ninth ward you know is this a statement about Katrina is it about the cops you know but she's being drowned on top of it too there's all this imagery that I think is so powerful and um, the fact that I, I, this is a, a video and a song I feel like you could maybe not the song itself but the video itself that you could really pick apart forever and like they may look back on this in history books and look at this video sorry Jess I know that sounds like crazy to you yeah, but, but I'm not kidding yeah. like I think and nothing she does is a mistake nothing from the outfits those girls were wearing her dancers were wearing at the Super Bowl which took place in Oakland or uh, Santa Clara which was very close to Oakland California from the formation uh pun intended when they were standing in the X formation mm, yes when I like, saw that I said oh my like God. Malcolm X to what she was yeah. wearing 
wearing at the Super Bowl. I know I've gone from the video to the Super Bowl, but in the Super Bowl, she's wearing that like militaristic jacket, which harkens back as a nod to, I think, Michael Jackson's 1993 Super Bowl performance um, where he has like a similar sort of like gold Mm -hmm. X, but also in the X formation on her chest. Like, I think she does think she's incredibly intelligent. And I think you got to give her credit for that. And I I don't mind. I don't mind an artist who takes their time to come out and talk about an issue because they want to think about it, internalize it. And, and and I feel like that we should leave we should leave them room like just the way we have room to uh, to breathe and, and think about important issues before we you know run off the mouth about it. I think that's also a valid point too um, in terms of artistry. I, I do strongly believe in that, especially with music and even with Beyonce. I'll give her that benefit of the doubt. That being said, I will give you this criticism: she never explains her artistry to me. Like. And but does she have I, to? That's not the artist's and I, job. Yeah, I think she does. I think as an artist, I think, yeah, sure. But she, at least Kendrick put out the same like type of message last year. He can convey his message. I mean, Kanye, in his like egotistical craziness, can do the same with his music and mm-hmm. artistry. She never, to me, can explain like, this is why I'm doing this. This is what I'm trying to convey. She leaves it to you. I feel as a PR tactic a lot does, to do this. Did Van you can Gogh talk put a, put a note on the back of the Mona Lisa? Did, I was going to say that. Like last time I checked, we, people <laughs> yeah. are still trying to figure no, out. No, they don't. But I definitely think more artists, of modern artists particularly, when I go to museums, it's just not like a blurb there, you know, for a reason. It is showing what the artist is trying to convey. I think you do owe that to your audience once in a while, like especially now. She had a great Super Bowl performance. I'm never going to take that away from her. I think she's a spectacular performer. But, you know, now you have all these people coming out calling this a cop-hating song. I'm not that ignorant. This is not a cop-hating song. Go mm-hmm. kill yourself. But you see, know? They're projecting but, their opinion. You know what? Exactly. I, I think she would be to her. I think it would be to her benefit. I'll be quick, like, to actually sit there and be like, look, this is what I'm trying to convey in this song. And I think it would be helpful to come from her mouth instead of getting everybody trying to pick it apart. And this is what I'm trying to convey. Then you can hear what the reader, like somebody like you, what you're getting from this or whatever. But she never does that. And that I is like that, honestly, because it's like it, the onus is on you. Because, you know, there are some artists that are just like, like I, so many of my friends are like, you know, starving artists. And I see both schools of thought. You're right. I have some friends of mine who will write us, you know, a, a think piece beside their pieces when I go to their galleries to see like what they're doing. And I have some friends who will stand in the middle of a room and pour milk on their head and there's nothing. And you're like, oh, okay. While we're watching their performance piece and there's never any explanation. And the explanation is, what do you think? You decide. I don't want to. And I'm not saying, I don't know that either way is right or wrong. I just know that as an artist, you know, that it's the artist's prerogative to decide whether or not they feel like they need to explain. And maybe that's the point. Like, let everybody go crazy and decide for themselves. Because truthfully, even if Beyonce explained, people would still say, that's not what it means. It means this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, exactly. I it would a, be. Yeah. There's a reason why, how many hundreds of years later, we still wonder, what was Mona Lisa thinking? What's mm-hmm. that smirk about? Like, that's, I, I love that element. I mean, that just leads itself to all types of interpretations. That's why I say people will be studying this for, you know, years to come or in the future. And I'm the same way. I, I like to hear what artists think when they do things, but mm-hmm. it's nice to hear several years down the line, you know, to go back. I th- I think she's just, I don't know. I, I think it makes so much sense for her to do this in like sort of like a not vague, but then kind of ambiguous way to leave it open to us to, to have these sorts of discussions and I mean, not that Black Lives Matter hasn't been in the news because it always is, mm-hmm. but to have um, Beyonce just p- 
push it. I mean, she has the power of voice. And listen, yeah, you can't deny that what she's doing with her artistry and her voice right now is to get us talking about everything, mm-hmm. which we are and, again. You know, and also, too, I mean, just to kind of go back to like what we were saying before, I think that uh, I don't know. I feel like there always are two schools of thoughts when it comes to tooting your own horn. You know, you have the people who are like, let your work speak for yourself. And then you have the people who are like, and I'm from the second school of thought, because honestly, I toot the budgetista's mother effing horn every chance I get. Because you want to know why? Nobody cares otherwise. There's so many brands who are like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. And unless I tell them and shove it down their throats to say, look, we saved $9.5 million. Look, there's 73,000 people signed up. Look, you know, a fourth of us have, have signed up for whatever. If I, unless I say it over and over, like... It nobody would care or it would be glossed over. And so I understand the frustration of like unless and like literally a day doesn't go by that I don't toot that my business is home because otherwise I don't get the respect. Even now with me tooting and me killing and slaying and all the other stuff. If you see some of the offers that people send me, some of these larger brands, it's insulting babysitting money, stuff for free. And so I understand the frustration of like, no, I'm going to say I slay because if I don't, it's my work is not going to just speak for itself, not as a black woman, because it, it just doesn't. Yes, maybe to my other brown sisters, it does. But to the world at large, no, unless I shove it down the world's throat, it doesn't speak for itself because people will ignore. And so I put I position myself not to be ignored. There is a place for humility and there is also a place for demanding um, acknowledgement, you know, on a whole. And I think there's, yeah, I'm sorry. I think there's definitely ways you can do that. I, I don't know. I I'm like that old school media person and I grew up with around Oprah Winfrey. That was like on all the time. And I just look so much to her and no, she's not done everything perfect either, but I just have felt like, yeah, she definitely put her brand on everything. That's why she has a magazine with her name on it. And you know, she definitely hypes her brand and that is why she got successful. I don't know. I just see so much more. I mean, just a little bit more pause with her. I just see a little bit more reverence. I just see a, her just not having to always say, I slay, I slay, I slay in every song or just, you know, making sure. I mean, they're going to say that anyway about us. I think what Beyonce doesn't really have to do that anymore. And I think when you get to that certain level, it's OK at this point. I want her to evolve. I want her to be great. I want her to keep being this great icon she is. But I don't know. I think it's getting a little tired to me sometimes. And she keeps putting out the same message over and over again. I, I think so you might need she's a an open break from Beyonce. Yeah. yeah. I want to point out one thing real quick. Did you guys notice the cameo in this video that it was Big Frida? Yes. What? As soon as the voice came on, I said, I know that's not Big Frida. I yes. know that is not. It was like the so most. Can I, so, I yeah. Can I ask how familiar do you think a black America is with Big Frida? Not familiar enough. But yeah. I think if you're from New Orleans, what like, you know Big Frida. So Big Frida. But you Frida... know what I like about it? It's almost like how she used um uh, Mima. I'm Nigerian, and I'm not gonna be able to say her name correctly. Chimamanda. Yeah. You know how like so she didn't she didn't say hey guys this is Chimamanda. What I like is that it's like you had to dig and do research because she knew people would and she knew people would go, were going to unearth who this person was. And I felt like, not that I'm comparing Big Frida to Chimamanda, I mean, but you know, but well, <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, <laughs> that it allowed for people to dig and say, who is Big Frida? Who's this voice? And when as soon as I heard it, I was like, yes, because Big Frida is amazing. Oh my gosh. And so, yeah, I just love that she, she, you know, she used her voice 
you know, and, and I don't know, introduced her to mainstream, you know, and so I don't know. To have a, to have someone on her single, I think, is this the first, I mean, Big Frida is a drag queen, right? Am I getting that wrong? I don't know. She's like, yeah, she's, but I wanted to get this right because I feel like it's, to, for to, in a hip hop arm like whatever you want to call it, you I know Beyonce is pop hip hop, but in this like really hard song to have um, a musician who is from the LGBTQA uh, uh, society and from that group of people to to feature them so prominently on a record that's huge. I feel like in Black music, I mean, am I am I wrong here? And not just that, I felt like the Super Bowl even had like a lot. The, the message of yesterday's Super Bowl was like. I mean, everything was rainbow and colors. And like, if you're going to be like, take it at face value, it's, you know, people were waving rainbow flags. It was very much like a, you know, accepting of, of gay culture sort of moment. And I don't know, I, I really respect her for putting something like that on her album. Yeah. Yeah. It was I, just- I mean, I think it's, I mean, this is me just better hope I don't, I'm going to sound like negative Nancy. I just, it's tw- 2016. I, I don't think it's that innovative at this point. I, I'm serious. But I just, that's because you're not no gay. Sh- Anyone who's listening so to who's gay, they don't think the same. Yeah, they don't. I guess everything she says is so big and loud, and she's the first black person to do it. I mean, it's fine. I get it. It's it's just you know, I I think it's great, and I think it's awesome. Um, sure, maybe she'll put Big Freed on the map. Maybe she won't. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know. I think it's it, it's one of those things. It's a little overblown to me, but okay, great. You know, it's awesome. She's <laughs> technically, I think she's non-conforming. She's like, I'm a gay male. I wear women's hair and carry a purse. You guys just got to see her and listen to what she does. She has yeah. a um a, a web a web series on Fusion. Okay. Or is it Fuse? What's it called? Fuse okay. or Fusion.net where she has a web series. I think it's in like its fourth or fifth season I saw. Yeah, she's, um, but she's also on TV. Like I've seen, like if you go to New York, like you'll see like bill, big billboards of her. She's I've seen her show on, I remember when I went to New Orleans, I wanted to go to like a bounce like party just to see because it's just, the music is just like, I mean, you can't sit still. And she just has like, she's just so charismatic. And I don't know, her show is just really, it just shows her and her team kind of traveling the world, bringing bounce to the world. Does she and slay though? She does slay, quite okay. honestly. Good she Because if you she, don't slay, you get eliminated. No, yeah, she slays. <laughs> and she just, and I just love that she slays un, unapologetically. Because Big Frida is like 6'2", six, 6'4". Six, she's a yeah, big, a big person, man, yeah. you know? And so, and then you see this big man in like, a snatched wig and a beat face and like yelling into a mic, mic, you know, giving people instructions on how to, on how to bounce. And you're like, wait a minute now. I'm not sure what's happening, but my booty is moving. You know? <laughs> and so I don't know. I just thought that was dope, but let's talk about other elements of the video that we were like, yes. Oh man. I was going to wrap it up. Oh, okay. Well, it's I was been half say- an hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, the elements I love, obviously like, you know, like, just seeing Blue Ivy, and I just love to see, like, oh. okay, yes, and her hair still not combed. Hey. With backup dancers, Blue Ivy had backup dancers. <laughs> People were mad because they were like, how come her backup dancers were dark-skinned? But if they were light-skinned, they would have said, how come her backup dancers are light-skinned? Why is that a... Oh, golly. Oh, this is the one question I did want to ask about, like, the hair. I don't know. I do have sometimes these things about Black women and weave and hair, and I know everybody's really excited about the Black Panthers and the Afros. Like, Beyonce kind of... I still did her weave thing. What do you think about that in a way? She does like her thing. I don't know. I would always like to kind of see her in a lovely wig or something like that in in natural hair for some reason. I don't know. I feel like she will like put her dancers. They play, they, I mean, they're playing dress up. She like, you know, she is too. I just feel like these are always these things that I'm just always fascinated about when it comes to her. Like Like, she's very calculated. Yeah. Like she's very calculated. Why is she wearing natural hair? 
Yeah, or just like she doesn't do, I mean, we are very big into these elements of things and she just kind of pickpockets where she wants to or just like, you know, it's... it's but don't, don't we know. all? I don't know. I yeah, I guess we kind of. Yes and no. She, yeah, I mean, she wears you know, the wigs. Like, I think it's a practical thing. She wears a, you see her with a big blonde hair. Like you're going to see her in that sea of people. She, she's going to stand out as a star. But also I feel like she's, I've seen her every which way. I've seen her, I've seen her with braids. Short, yes. long. I mean, she just keeps transforming herself, and that's yeah. Because in the video, she had the long braids, and I don't know. I just feel like honestly, like I know I kind of pick and choose. I mean, I'm natural, but I don't necessarily like. I don't. I mean, there's definitely elements to me that have some Afrocentricity, but then I also have some ratchetness, and then I'm also you know a business owner. I don't know. So I just feel like nobody's all one thing. And then if she would have went full fledged, fledged, you know, like you know, kinky afro and all the other stuff, people would have been mad. I don't know. I I feel like, you know, it's so crazy. I think when I see, like, someone like Beyonce, I think to myself, sheesh, you know, with my little business, sometimes it gets frustrating because everyone always has an opinion. And I can only imagine at, like, Beyonce level, like, what, you know, everyone always having an opinion. And maybe that's one of the reasons why she reserves from 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 sharing her so much is because no matter what she does, Beyonce could literally sneeze and people, people would be like, see, that's the bullshit right there. She always sneezing. <laughs> it's a problem. Like, With them Jackson 5 nostrils. <laughs> yes. Earned all this money, but they never take the country on me. Sorry. <laughs> <Yo, Mandy. laughs> but yeah, I guess we can wrap that up. But yeah, so all in all, it was definitely a Beyonce weekend. And either way, you love it or hate it, but you talked about it. It was the Beyonce Bowl featuring some football teams and Bruno Mars and Chris. They were really good. It was called the Broncos. They're great. They're Super Bowl champs. That's a good segue, actually, because I wanted to briefly discuss the controversy around the quarterback for the um, Carolina Panthers, Cam Newton. So apparently after his terrible, heartbreaking loss to the Broncos and Peyton Manning, Cam was, you know, how they have to do those horrible interviews after they lose a game and tell reporters, like, what they did wrong and just revisit all those wounds, which are so fresh and oozing. (laughs) So he was super – he was giving, like, monosyllabic answers. He got up and left, like, two, three minutes into the interview, and then all of a sudden there's all these think pieces on what an ungrateful brat he is and what a teenager he was acting like. And I don't know. To me, I feel like he's 26 years old. He's very young. He just lost the biggest game of his life. Um, and he wanted to be upset. I mean, if I miss a train, I mope. And I'm like grumbling. Like I don't want to do an interview after I miss a train. So why are we? But this is, yeah, I think, but it's not your job, though, to miss that train. This is his job. He is making millions of dollars. He is in front of press since he has been like now, what, probably 18, 19, since he started on like what, when he was with UF. Like he... He knows this deal. He kind of was a sore loser yesterday. And it's his, he's, uh, I think we've discussed this before, but he, that's what leadership is. In the football world, this is important. You are the quarterback of the team. They are looking to you for guidance. They need you to be the one to hold your head up at the press conference. And sure, this was, their press conferences was kind of colliding with another player. They said, that's why he was offended or whatnot. I don't care. Cam, you know, get it together, breathe, answer a few questions. You don't have to answer all of them. I mean, I think it does say something to be a professional 
in these circumstances. I mean, that's why people were kind of like eyeing Steph Curry when he brought his little daughter out at the press conference. Yeah, a little unprofessional. I, they're asking stupid questions, sure, but no. Do your job, go home. You know, it's that's what you do. What you, was know? That, you know, I want to bring this in on a personal level. Like, what are some – because we've all sort of dealt with failures in our career, I'm just assuming. I mean, I know I've had some big failures in my career. I wonder, like, if you all want to talk about any and how you handled it in that moment, whether you're proud of it or not. Hmm. I put you on the spot so you can, I can start. <laughs> What's up? Yeah. People constantly <laughs> ask me to relive this moment. So I am a um, reporter, and a lot of what I do is talk to people about – Different story, a, di- a different like personal finance journeys. You know, I paid off this much debt and I, you know, paid for this with this much money or whatnot. And I love those sorts of stories. And uh, about a year ago, someone reached out to me and told me he had earned, a, saved a million dollars by age 27. And he had an entire website and he had all these graphs and charts showing how much he had saved and where it came from. And here's how all the math worked out. And I was super excited because he, um, you know, he wasn't like this overnight success. You know, you hear like people who lost 100 pounds in a week and people who saved a million dollars in a month. Like he had been working since he was a teenager and just told me this, this sob story about his parents dying and they didn't teach him anything and blah, blah, blah. And anyway, so I write the story and like a few, it becomes one of the biggest stories on the website. And like a week later, um, one of his friends reaches out to me and he's like, so this guy has admitted to lying about everything on um, like a Facebook post. And um, it was just like the, it, it was like my whole entire world just like fell out from beneath my feet. And it was a huge failure on my part. And I think the my, I'm proud of myself in that the, the first thing I did was email everyone, you know, in my on the editorial team and say, we got to pull this. We got to, you know, we have to face this. We have, I have to figure out what I'm going to do. Um, and we immediately like wrote this like explanation and, and retraction and that kind of stuff. But that was a, a, like a super useful, embarrassing, horrible lesson that I learned. And it made me ashamed because I have studied to be a journalist. I went to a great school. I had great teachers. Um, I bet it's not my first day on the job. And it was just a reminder that I'm just as susceptible to that pressure to turn out the big stories and that pressure to turn out stories faster and faster um, and get those clicks. But uh, luckily, I didn't. But no, you actually that. handled that, tell you the truth, I thought very well because yo, you and your staff, I think you put out a nice article, of, like you put out a retraction about it and you apologized for it. And yeah, I think you actually handled that with dignity and to your best ability. You're still writing stories, um, you know, and the Yahoo comments can get kind of, you know, crunk. I've definitely read them, but you know. <laughs> It's so, so hard to admit I, you were wrong, especially when, like, like yeah. literally a day before I found out it was all a lie, I had gotten, like, a standing ovation at the morning meeting. Like, oh, like Mandy's the best. And I was like, yes, I am the best. I slay. <laughs> yeah. And then you you fall from that. You know, it was it was so humbling. Like, I yes. am constantly being humbled by my own humanity. Yes. Like, you know, but like Beyonce yesterday when she almost fell but then didn't fall i must have the strength to carry on oh god it's like uh, i'm trying to think my biggest well maybe my most embarrassing was like my very first i got booked for my very first speaking engagement it was like for it was a nursing home or some sort of like hospital something to that effect um some medical care facility and i don't know how they found me but they wanted to pay me like 300 bucks 
to speak for an hour. And I mean, then I had, I wasn't even making 50 bucks to speak. So I could not believe someone was actually going to pay me. I was so excited. I took it to Twitter because you know, that's what, that's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> I took it to Twitter. This is literally like five years ago. And I wrote, I quote in quotes, Oh my God. Um, I'm, I just got booked to speak at like said the organization and everything. I mean, like, I can't even believe I did this, you know, whatever XYZ organization in Clifton, New Jersey, um, comma, and they're paying me doctorates, end quote. Oh, that's what I, (laughs) 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 yo, I, I, and I just was so excited and I wasn't, I don't know why I wrote it. I, I mean, I know I wrote it because I was, honestly, I wrote it mostly out of shock because I was like, I can't believe someone is actually going to pay me to do this thing I just made up. And <laughs> I just, you know, and I didn't really understand social media back then because mostly it was just my, it was my friends who, like, I literally had, like, maybe, like, 20, 30 followers and it was just my friends, you know? And so my friends were like, yeah, it was basically, I thought about it, like, as group text. You know, that's the kind of thing that you key key with your friends behind the scenes. So I'm like, oh. Let me group text my friends via Twitter. And so they were all like, yes, you got it. Do it. Do it. You know what? Within, I don't even know, maybe a few hours, I got an email with a screenshot of my tweet. Oh, <laughs> wow. Like, yeah, so what we're not going to do is hire you. Oh, and <laughs> because like this is a, I forget, it was a, a you know, we have private uh, information at this facility and we'd worry that you um, would not use your best judgment and might share things that you might not, you know, you're not supposed to, you know, if you speak for us, whatever, like, let's just say a, cl- a patient asks a sensitive question, I might tweet it out or whatever. And I couldn't believe it was like such a humbling, when I say humbling, and then of course, the next day, I was like at a, at an event. Um, and the woman who had hired me was there. Mm. And I had to humble myself and go up to her. And I, apologized profusely I, I I was like young so she honestly was so gracious about it she said honestly Tiffany you know I've talked to you before I think you're amazing I thought the tweet was funny you know because I know that you didn't you weren't <laughs> thinking she was like Dr. Rates was hilarious but you know that you know that you have to be careful of what you put on social media and I just told her I was just so excited I wasn't trying to be you know, like arrogant. She, I was like, honestly, it's my first speaking. I never got booked before. So I couldn't believe it. It was more shock and awe than arrogance and like um, bragging, you know, it was like, I can't believe it. Can you guys believe it? And she was just, she was just so nice about it. And she's like, I think you're going to go far, um, you know, but you know, just th- let that be a lesson. And honestly, it was such a valuable lesson. I'm glad I learned it early. Um, because from then on, whenever anything has happened with any brand or anything that I've worked with, I always, always ask, can I share this before I share it? And usually and I give them kind of like a preview. Can I share this and say, I'm here doing this? That's fine, Tiffany. So yeah, but it was the most embarrassing. Can you imagine? Ouch. Right? A uh, screenshot. She said that they screenshotted it and they were faxing it from office to office to be like, who is this girl? No. <laughs> I was like cringing. You can't see me, but I'm my face is all screwed up. And I was like, <laughs> telling me that I'm just like... Oh, I mean, you never want to be on the wrong side of social media. I, I, I'm constantly worried, especially now I work someplace where people actually care what I say. <laughs> like, oh, child. Well, I know. you bounce back. You bounce back. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. But you know what? Like I said, I'm grateful. But for you me. said sorry, which is a huge deal, you know? Yeah. And confronting. I think that's what some people do that gets them. Like if I had, if you, if you had or I had just like put our heads in the sand and then just like, 
you know, legs or tail between our legs and just like walked away kind of cowardly. Like, mm-hmm. um, all it would do is just, it, you would, you wouldn't forget it on the inside and you would constantly have that shame. And I think by facing it head on by like saying sorry in person and just like getting the awkward moment over with, mm-hmm. that really helps. Yeah. yeah. That was very good. You actually did that as well. Jess, I know you're our special guest. Um, do oh. you, do you want to share your failure with us or do you want a special guest Ooh, pass? My, my special failure. Um, well, I will say with my one of my first jobs here in New York, I worked at a food service company. And this just this was just a great lesson on like I would say learning how important even the little things at your job are. So one of the first things I got to do at this new job um, at this food service company, we work with schools basically. Um, just a little background. And the goal, we'd like serve them breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And so one of the things that my job was in this role was to make sure the scheduling was done. And it was literally just putting things in the calendar, like school calendars, when it's closed, when it's open. And I was priding myself, like all young morons, of how like (laughs) fast I was of putting things in the computer and just making sure everything was scheduled and, you know, doing this and doing that and just going home at 530 and just being proud of myself. But you know, then, um, you know, my boss was kind of in and out with vacation and meetings and stuff. So I never got to see her and she didn't get a chance to look over my work like I thought, but I thought I was banging it out doing awesome. So yeah, I kind of missed a change in schedule for one of my schools. And next thing I know, I got a call from home and they're like, Hey, um, these are the correct closures. Right. And people were relying on me. We're a small company. And I was like, yeah, this is all good. We're fine. So next thing I know, um, when I got into work, they're like, Jessica, the school was open. And it, this sounds really kind of like, huh? But so because I did not put one thing in the calendar and because I was just banging it out, not really looking over my work, not really putting so much care in it. So about this whole school probably missed breakfast. So these are like, and I had to really kind of think about my job in a way and really put it in perspective because we serve healthy food for these kids, because we give them free and reduced lunch, this might be one of the very few meals these kids get all day. Yeah. This was a kid in the Scout South Bronx. And this kid, this sounds so ridiculous, but it is actually a very true story. They might have not gotten dinner that night and was expecting that breakfast. Mm, and because nice. I was just kind of thinking so willy nilly about it and just thinking this is just a little blimp, just putting in something into my computer. It's not anything that's thinking that's something you should just, you know, really look twice at girl. I think I cried for two weeks. Oh, um, I apologized to that school and I just felt so terrible because it was just, I was just looking over you best believe after that, I, I just looked at every schedule with so much care and love like I looked at these schedules three to four times a day and you know and I think what other thing that happened I had a wonderful director of operations at the time who had to pull me back and like I actually had to say that you know this is I know it felt really bad but you know you got to look at these schools and what we do as a service and just you know take more you you have pride in your job but really take pride in your work and um and now again like I some people think I'm a bit of a hard ass at my current job. But no, I even saying in terms of making sure something is properly dated, making sure all your data is correct, making sure you're giving me your correct client records, things like that. I, I do look for it to be well done because people do depend on you. And, you know, yeah. And I, I think that is probably one of those biggest failures. And I was able to kind of bounce back from it and think about it and really kind of look at it holistically. And that was pretty low day for me. But um, so, yeah, 
Yeah. That's mm-hmm. if I could share that with the world. That's well, what thanks I say. for sharing that. I know that must be hard. It's hard to look back at the, mm-hmm. the stuff you did wrong, but I don't know. I feel kind of good about this talking about um, what yeah. we learned from it. It sounds like each of us in that situation had someone like I had an editor who didn't fire me. <laughs> I had <laughs> Tiffany, you talked to the person who, you know, you know, let you go from a gig mm-hmm. right afterward who gave you, a, you know, told you what is OK. You're going to survive. And then, Jess, you had your director sort of, you know, give you a break, too. I just feel like. Um, yeah, I feel like you need someone who knows that you will make a human error, like a, a boss or someone higher than you, a mentor of some kind to, to give you that break and remind you not to be so hard on yourself. Sometimes we all make yeah. mistakes. Yeah. So that's why I want Cam to kind of man up and just take responsibility. Oh yeah, bringing it back to football, I guess. <laughs> yes, I will. No, I mean, I know it feels, I know people are really like, we were really rooting for Cam, you know, black quarterback, you know, yes, he's kind of hip hop. He's getting criticized. We want him to do good. And he, and he failed yesterday. He, he totally failed. But I do think it says a lot about leadership to really kind of step it up, especially with our young black males today. You know, we're going to make mistakes. We are human. Beyonce made a mistake, but that doesn't mean she's not a great performer. That doesn't mean Cam is not going to win another Super Bowl. But, you know, mistake. I mean, you know, if you look at the footage of her almost falling, you could almost say it was choreography. I can just, you know, nitpick no, exactly. it was bit. probably choreography. Well, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you tried to hurt her. You know, I, you know I what? see these. She needs to clap. Like, that's some, those are strong legs. Like, to that much body strength <laughs> yes. to make yourself not fall like that? Come on. Now, that is just like the, the, the gluteus maximus at full force. I, I totally see that. I, I do. Yes. All, right. All the way. Well, Jess, thank you so much for joining us on our special Beyonce edition of Brown Ambition. Oh, thank you all for inviting me. Yes, Jess, you are welcome Sleep back. with one eye open, my yep. friend. So, baby, no, you can find Jess at, no, just joking. Stop it, please, God. <laughs> I'm actually a good person. Please remember that, you know, if you want to attack me. After that story, we hope no one's going to attack you. You're a good human. All right, yeah. Jess. All right, guys, we'll hope you enjoyed our uh, special Beyonce-themed episode. If you want to send any hate mail or love mail to us, you can email us at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us at the BA Podcast. We love it. Um, So let's just jump. We took so much time talking about Beyonce, rightfully so. Let's yes. jump into a, a brown break real quick. Okay. So my brown break is pretty, mm, I mean, it's kind of related slightly to this whole Beyonce thing i don't know i'm kind of taking a brown break from fake deepness well i don't know if it's fake deepness but you know there's just been so many think pieces so many like you know like so much stuff as it relates to beyonce like well the two girls who are behind uh blue ivy are dark-skinned why and then if they weren't dark-skinned, then it would be an issue. Or, like, how come, like, you know, like we talked about earlier, how come Beyonce's didn't have the black curly Afro wig on? Or, I don't know. Sometimes I'm just like, ugh. And the, as the world turns, you know, like, I'm I'm kind of over. I mean, I get it. I mean, obviously, Beyonce did this whole, it's a very strategic move to get us talking about race, which I appreciate. But there's just been so much that I think some things are, are, are being analyzed that I'm like, is it thing a thing to be analyzed this thing right here, like, you know, people were talking about, oh, the Black Panthers weren't about over-sexualization. How come, you know, they were wearing, like, the bathing suit things? And I'm like, I mean, I guess I get it, but sometimes I'm just like, oh, it's just too much. All of this over, yeah. over deep Facebook Facebook uh, rant posting about, you know, 
like what you thought, like, you know, the world has shifted now that Beyonce has a new video out and how, you know, she is good or bad for the culture. I'm a little bit slightly over it, although I get it. I'm, that's, I'm just going to take a brown break from all that. All think that, pieces. Yes, think pieces and all the Facebook pontifications. I respect that because it, it distracts from the larger, like looking at the minutia, it just like distracts from the larger yeah. messages sometime. I'm like, her intention was not to get us talking about wigs and like Blue Ivy and her backup dancers again. Yes. You know? Yes. Did I mention she had backup dancers? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. How old is she? Like four? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I loved it. She is going to be the future queen of America. If she's not first lady or not the first lady, first, you know, the first African-American president, female president, then I don't know what's happening in the world. <laughs> now um, Lady has lost it. So what's your brown break? My brown break, it's, I don't know if this is funny or serious, but you brought up something, you said something earlier, and it reminded me, I've been meaning to take a brown break on this for a while, and it's the expression beat face, like getting your face beat in a beat face. <laughs> oh, God. I use that expression. Now I know think. you do. I know, and so many women do, and like I, I have uh, work with, I have the privilege of working with some really, really great makeup artists here at um, my uh, at my work and through my job and they say it sometimes and they'll put it on Twitter and it's like a hashtag. I don't see how it's a good thing. It, it just, <laughs> yeah. it makes me think of domestic violence and Aww. I come from a family who's, you know, women whose faces were beat, but not with makeup mm. with like fists and stuff like that. I could see that. Um, and it just like the expression just makes me cringe. I don't know. I just don't like it. And I think I, Rihanna used it one time and I'm like thinking about her and her, you know, I, you know, a woman's free to use whatever she wants, like whatever phrase she wants to use. But for me, it just makes me cringe. It makes me feel like I don't want to beat face. Pretty face. Like, can you prettify my face? But <laughs> No, I know. Just, it's, and honestly, I think it um, it comes from gay culture, like most cool slang does. Mm. Um, and black gay culture in particular. And like, you know, like just a light beat. That's what I'm, I'm thinking. For those of you who know or are in the know, please let me know. Um, but I think that's where it comes from. And I'm not certain where the beat came from um but i don't know i'm not gonna lie i kind of like it just a light beat it just sounds (laughs) (laughs) it just makes me feel like i'm in the know because anybody who knows me knows i use slang from 1980 i'm like dope dope is back (laughs) i know dope is back but you know there's a question like why is it why do i not like beat face but i can say slay and things like that you know i don't know I don't know. It's just little things get to people different ways. Exactly. You are allowed to break from whatever you want to break from. That's one thing I have to say that I don't know. These days, when I'm, I'm as I get older, I'm like, man, you could feel one way about something else. And like, I could feel totally black power about my hair and then not feel that way about something else. I mean, it's your prerogative to feel how you want to feel, to think how you want to think. But I always say, I always say this, that you can feel, think and say whatever you want. But you have to know that so can everybody else, mm-hmm. you know, because that's the part that people forget. They love the part where they're like, I can do what I want. <laughs> Guess what, though? <laughs> everybody else can do what they want to. You can, you know, you could try your best to impose whatever you feel, think or say on someone else. But ultimately, you know, that's just not how the world works. That's not how any of this works. And so as long as you acknowledge that, feel free. Beat your face. Do what you want. Slay. Hate Beyonce. Love Beyonce. Whatever. But ultimately, you know, the world turns. And different opinions are what makes things interesting. Exactly. That's I how my um, my friend, my um, my sister's husband, well, we're all Nigerian, but he was like born and raised in Nigeria. And I just love when he says that because it's like his, you know, how everybody has like their phrase. Like, I know I always say, you know, you know, 
right? So, I know because I edit them out sometimes. Jarrell <laughs> always tells me that. Superman always tells me, you know, you always say, you know, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> I didn't even know what he told me. I was like, I do. He's like, yes. He said, it drives me crazy because they don't know what you mean, Tiffany. <laughs> Nobody had, I, like, I'm getting an intimate uh, look into the, like, the speaking patterns of Tiffany Elliche. <laughs> exactly. And so he always says, my sister's husband always says, exactly, not exactly, but exactly, because he has a nice <laughs> thick Nigerian accent. So, so I just love saying that to him. And he never realizes that I'm like saying it back. Because he'll be like, yeah, so what do you think? I'm like, exactly, exactly. So just exactly. You can say what you want, feel what you want, do what you want, beat your face if you want. No. Oh, <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. I'm just going to. I know it's easier to say, but I'm just going to be like, I put some makeup on. <laughs> I got some makeup put on my face. Okay. <laughs> so that's it for, for, we have a really like, you know, we, have we gotten any um, brown breaks? I want to hear what people want to get breaks from. Please send your brown breaks to us via email. Tweet us your brown breaks. I'd love, love, love to share some of your brown breaks. See what you guys are going through. See what you're totally over. We have gotten a lot of questions, and we're not going to do a question this week because we have run out of time, and we want to get to some wins real quick. Mm-hmm. But we are keeping all your questions, and we love getting them. So keep sending them to brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com, and we promise we'll get to them eventually. Let's do two next week. Yes, I like that. Yes. All right, so moving on to wins real quick. Some, some extra good news for the end of the show. Okay, so wins. I know you had a really great win. I saw this on, on the internet. Oh, so, so I actually realized I have two. But okay. I, so real quick, so I um, don't know if you heard, but it's February and it's Black History Month, which mm-hmm. is kind of a big deal. And so I got the chance to do a story that I'm really happy with. It was the five I wanted to take a look at since I worked for a huge tech company um, and I've written about the lack of diversity in Silicon Valley like many people have. And just the, the fact that there aren't very many minorities or women represented, especially in leadership roles. So for Black History Month, I know it's about history and looking backwards, but I thought I would do something looking forward and kind of calling out some people I thought were exciting or interesting um, in Silicon Valley today who just also happen to be black. Okay, so my story was five ground five groundbreaking black business leaders who are changing the face of Silicon Valley. I'll just run through a few of them. I have, and these aren't names that you probably know in your household, which is why I wanted to like lift them up because they're really changing the, literally the face of Silicon Valley. We've got uh, Stacy Brown Philpot. She's a COO of TaskRabbit, you know Ooh. that freelancing site. She is just incredible. You know, one of the best things about her, if you read my story on Yahoo Finance, one of the best things I. Um, got to talk to her about was um, when she was working for Google before TaskRabbit, where she was mentored by Sheryl Sandberg for a while before Sheryl went on to Facebook. She had the opportunity to move to India. Um, and in order to do that, to run Google's sales operations over theirs, in order to do that, she decided to leave her husband behind in America. Mm. And she talks about how her family and friends really just like dogged her about that decision and made it seem like she was choosing her career over her family And she said, she told me, and she said this before, she said, when I moved to India, I knew that I was making, I knew that I was choosing my career, but it was only for a finite period of time. And my husband and I had agreed. The key takeaway for me was don't be afraid to ask for what you need, both at home and at work. And it was, and she had other cool stuff to say about how she doesn't like the idea of living on a balance beam and trying to find work-life balance. She said it's too stressful 
trying to figure out what's to prioritize and have the perfect balance. Um, she says that she just takes life where it leads her and she prioritizes one thing at a time mm. um, given the situation. So that's just like one that. incredible, one incredible woman. And you know what? I didn't set out to do this, but four out of the five business leaders I featured were women. Mm. And the fifth was a trans, um, was a transgender, I believe he's nonconforming um, person. So I was really excited for this story. And if you want to check it out, other people real quick, Morgan Debon, she founded Blavity.com. Oh, I love her. I spoke with her on the phone. She's really cool. Um, and she said she'd be on the podcast soon. So, we'll have so love Blavity. Blavity, if you don't know, the whole concept behind Blavity is that it's a mashup of the word black and gravity. And she was inspired during college going to like a mostly white college where like anyone, you know, any class, any lunchroom across America in high school, yes. like all the black kids gravitate toward one another. Yep. <laughs> so that's Blavity. So it was really dope listening to her talk about you know, her very first business selling sugar Kool-Aid in the cafeteria and stuff like that. And um, the another one was Courtney Ryan Siegler. He started this hackathon uh, nonprofit called Trans Hack, which okay. is a nonprofit that hosts hackathons and meetups among people in the transgender nonconforming community in Silicon Valley and across the country. And I mean, it's it's really cool what he's doing. He's not in the tech world. He's actually in the media and entertainment side of things. But he talked okay. about wanting to give trans people, trans workers in Silicon Valley just a place to get together and, like, feel supported because um, it can be lonely out there. Yeah, I can imagine. Oh, I like that. That's that's a great article. I, I can't wait to read. I'm, I'm honestly, like, I'm one of the things I'm addicted to is I love watching or reading um, stories of people who are uh, different versions of successful. So, you know, not, like, always, like, oh, the multimillionaire is successful, but just whatever that looks like, maybe starting something new, going after their dream, um, and so just was it two days ago? I think it was a day before yesterday I was watching. They had this documentary about Michael Jackson from when he started as the Jackson 5. I think it was called From the Jackson 5 to Off the Wall. Off the Wall was his very first album. And so they kind of chronicled his life from Jack Early being, years. Yes. To, it was so, honestly, Mandy, it was so... Um, just motivating. I mean, you know, you of course you know about Michael Jackson. You know how hard he worked. You know all these things. But to see it through, one, they did a lot of, uh, they had a lot of video of him as a young man speaking. And you don't see that much, meaning like him and his, his teens talking about like what he wanted his future to be. It was very reminiscent of a Steve Jobs, just so sure that he wanted greatness and how he was going to go after it. At like 17, 18, 19, just to see him speak. And then they interviewed all these really famous people about him. And they, just the consistency of what people said about Michael, that he was always watching, always sitting, always listening, always asking questions at six, seven, eight years old. Like Sammy Davis Jr. is, is, is sitting there saying, Michael used to watch me on stage and ask me these questions. How did you do that? Why did you do it like that? Why did you not do it like this? At like eight years old. And just, it was so just, it, and when then. did it, you watch? Is it on like Netflix or something? It was on Showtime. It was, oh, it was, check it out. Check yes, you, I think you'll love it, first of all. And then, like, they, so what happens is they, they chronicle his life. You kind of see, like, how he made the moves that he made and then how he was unapologetic about his success and his clear trajectory toward this is what I want and this is what I'm willing to do for it. And then they broke down, like, all the songs on the album. And I was literally, it was, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm, I could not stop, help but dance 
because it was so like the music was still so amazing mm -hmm. and yeah it's just honestly I and, I and I encourage anyone who's kind of chasing their dreams to just watch and read things like what Mandy the article that Mandy has just written and this this um this piece about Michael Jackson I'm always reading and watching um, things like that because it helps one it helps to set the tone for what you're doing because a lot of people will think you're crazy if you're going after your dreams and it helps you to see other people who are quote-unquote crazy and how they've dealt with it um and it just helps to to see that success looks different for different people in different ways but then there are also some things that are that are kind of baseline of the same which is you you make a, a conscious choice you put in the work and you decide how you want your life to live unapologetically so yeah maybe that's my win that 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 documentary it was just so good honestly like i i had i had I can't only... wait to watch it oh god i love michael jackson <laughs> what mandy i'm telling you you're gonna be like oh my god first of all like i was sitting laughing crying dancing i mean they it pulled me in every way and spike lee directed it of course oh did he how have yes. i heard about this okay I... thank you you're all welcome. right checking it out i got show i got my dad's dish login i'm gonna check it out later <laughs> Very much of these of you. Mm, well, hipster cable. <laughs> well, that reminded me real quick. I've been we haven't talked about this yet, but the fact that they wanted to, that um, they're making this movie in the UK where they're having Michael Jackson played by a white actor. Did uh, you hear about that? Yes. Uh, I don't that? even. We don't need to spend wasn't... a lot of time with it, but it's just like insane. I hope yeah. they change their minds. Like, why, why, why can't we have one? Couldn't you find one black actor to play him? And plus, I mean, it's, it's supposed to be like a comedy and it's like a, it's like a, a yeah, it just seems very strange. But yeah, you're right. Whatever. Yeah. I was tired. <laughs> <laughs> We're too tired to take on racism in Hollywood right now. Right now. Beyonce has just slayed and is making people angry across the world, which is kind of giggly. So I'm just like, whatever, take that, take that. I just, oh, yes. Tomorrow the pre-sale begins. I hope you guys all know if you have Amexes, that pre-sale for Beyonce begins at 10 a.m. Oh, go my God. Are you going to go? Uh, yeah, I'm going. You want to come? I do. City Field. Oh, so the ticket prices range from $45 to $350, really? um, which is quite high, but, you know, it depends on what you want to spend. Yeah, it's good, but the stadium show in New York City is going to be in City Field, so... Michael, check it out. Yeah, no, let me know. Honestly, I think I do want to go. I've never been to a Beyonce concert. Oh, really? You? Yeah, I'm excited. The last one I went to was for the uh, after the uh, the visual album after Beyonce. So we hope that you enjoyed this this uh, this episode was brought to you by B B for Beyonce, S for Slay, and C for See You Later. And Beyonce, please, 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 me and Mandy were on your side. Don't bring it here. And Beehive. We are. We apologize for some of the, some of the, the comments from our guests. I love Jess, and I thought she had great insight. But I don't want to be stung. Um, I love my life. And with that, we sign off. Bye, guys. See you next week. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.